the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black in your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. It's one of those days where it's earnings season, so there's a lot going on. Oh, earnings season. Amazon. Killed it. Microsoft killed it. Not a bad thing to say out loud that they are the Packers and the Patriots of the football world. Google killed it. What's that make them? Packers and the Patriots, maybe the Panthers? Are we sure that Google's killing it? They killed it. (laughs) Doing great. Everything's awesome. Everything's awesome right now. What a change. Since it's low on September 29th, S&P 500's up 9.7%. It's coming back for more at the table today. It is saying, stock market, you are a buffet of love. Didn't it feel like just a month ago, I was like, yeah, the market's kind of going sideways. Sideways isn't down. Well, no, no, no. Now the market's going up. Thank you, China. Thank you, Mario Draghi. I love Mario Draghi. He's the head of the ECB. We have Janet Yellen, who kind of looks like um, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Woman. Whereas Mario Draghi, doesn't he sound like a bad guy from a Bond movie? <laughs> I'm going to cut interest rates. And then he's going to go into song. He's going to go, interest rates. And the kitty cats are all sleeping. Okay, so Google killing it, Amazon killing it, Microsoft killing it. They're like the Mets. Did you see how hard the Mets were hitting the ball the other night? Holy mackerel. It looked like the Cubs are hitting, I don't know, Stay Puff Marshmallows. Or it looks like the Mets were just like pounding the ball. 
stock market took off on Thursday, reportedly because the ECB president, Mario Draghi, hinted at the prospect of loading up the quantitative easing gun and shooting it. Talk ahead in the meeting is that he would offer such a hint, so it wasn't a surprise when he did it. There's going to be end-of-the-year meeting coming up. How would, how much would you want to go on a dream vacation to the European Central Bank's uh, policy meeting? Is that not like vacation, all I ever wanted, vacation, how do you get away? Okay, so it doesn't sound like fun, does it? Going to an ECB financial press meeting. I guess not. But for me, and again, I am the nerd. Some Some people are like, I'd like to go on a Fifty Shades of Grey vacation with a rich billionaire. I'm like, I want to go see the European Central Bank meeting. Some people are like, I want to go out into an infinity pool in Thailand with a model, a Victoria's Secret model. I'm like, I want to go see that guy, Mario Draghi, kick some European Central Bank butt. Wall Street's loving it. Stock market went right to its happy place. And then this morning, guess what China did? The People's Bank of China. More money stimulus. And they provided it. 25 basis point cut in its one-year lending rate to 4.35%. And a 25% cut, not 25%, 25 basis point cut to its one-year deposit rate. China's going to end bad because China did something that the United States did, something that Europe did, lend money to people to buy real estate. And it's inconceivable that this won't end badly. But not right now. See that can? Just kick it down the road. We'll deal with it later. More monetary policy accommodation by Europe and by China. If you take a look at the calendar, it's October 23rd. Now, let me pull out my abacus and my big calculator and my big brain. How long until Christmas? It's October 23rd. Hmm. November 23rd is one month. December 23rd is two months. Then December 24th and December. Christmas came today! Christmas came today! It's today! When you have China and Europe doing what they're doing, Wall Street is enjoying Christmas. It's not in two months and two days. Um, what else do we have to talk about? I don't think anything. All of that accommodation has led to stronger real economic growth and stronger earnings growth six months down the road. So lo and behold, the industrial's up 3% today, but the hero's up 3% today. Caterpillar and Freeport McMoran, copper and gold, both checked in with some disappointing results and guidance that didn't exactly scream demand improvement. Don't pay attention to the guys behind the curtain who are messing things up. We have accommodation. It's an accommodative message that it's an accommodative rally. Now, when we stop accommodating, then we're going to start paying attention to those guys behind the, the curtain. Oh, you just don't get it. You keep it copacetic for now, anyway. Remember that a strong dollar was fueled in part by policy path differentials between the Fed and other major central banks, causing a few problems for global markets back in August. Now we're like, it's okay, they're lowering their cost of money and our dollar's going to get stronger on it. The Federal Reserve wants to raise interest rates, would make our dollar get stronger. So now the Federal Reserve doesn't have to raise interest rates because foreign countries are doing it for us. Oh, 
And again, a month from now, when you see weakness in China and they're cutting interest rates, maybe we won't. Maybe it won't be Christmas in November. That's the thing that's crazy about this. This is this is. Think of the craziest person you've ever dated. The craziest person you've ever dated, where either he or she was like, "I love you so much, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I hate you. Get out of my house!" And they're throwing stuff at you. That's the stock market. Please come back. Please, I miss you so much. I promise. Okay, corporate earnings from index heavyweights make us feel really, really good. Thank you, Google. Thank you, Amazon. Thank you, Microsoft. Microsoft's kicking it. Um, could there be a big reversal at some point in time? Remember, China and the ECB are cutting interest rates, making cheap money for what reason? Because things are great now. It's like the whole real estate industry in the United States. The only reason, not the only reason, but a predominantly strong reason real estate has done so well is because we've cut interest rates to historic lows. Not because, like, your house is suddenly prettier. Not because your house suddenly got a job. But because we've made the cost of borrowing really, really cheap. And if you're wealthy and have a job, you own a home. And if you're not wealthy, you don't own a home, depending on where you live. Anyhow and anyway, thanks for listening to the show. Um, I always, always appreciate it. Anything I could ever do for you, you let me know. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. I'm not going to come to your house and clean, but maybe I'll come to your house, eat corn chips, sit on the couch and watch football. But you get the idea. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. Coming up, little Eric Lindquist action. A little hockey. We've got a plan to talk to Newsweek a little later. State plane and much, much more. I'm Rob Black. The Friday Ice Report. Your San Jose Barracuda hockey updates. Welcome back in. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Joining me now, Eric Lindquist, San Jose Barracuda. How are you, Eric? Pretty tired this morning, Rob. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if hockey people are really excited at this time of day, but I'll go with you on that. (laughs) How's the uh, season progressing? We're a couple weeks in now. San Jose Barracuda, AHL team of the San Jose Sharks. Um, Pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it, it has been, and I'm tired because I, uh, I caught my uh, first ever San Jose Sharks uh, home game last night at the SAP Center, a, uh, a 4-1 win for the Kings, unfortunately, but, uh, uh, you know, the Sharks had such a great start to the year and now have dropped their last three, so uh, 
Um, but for the Barracuda, uh, you know, things are rolling along here. Uh, we, we get a game tonight against the San Diego Gulls. Um, the two teams played on Wednesday night, and San Diego got us 3-2 in a shootout. So uh, tonight a little uh, redemption, let's hope, at the SAP Center. How's the season progressing so far, wins and losses? What are we looking at? So uh, the Barracuda, uh, 2-0 and on the road, but 0-2 on home ice. So uh, hopefully that uh, trend turns around tonight at the SAP Center. So uh, we're 500 uh, after four games, but uh, a pair of games this week, as I mentioned, Saturday against San Diego, and then right after the game, uh, the Barracuda will hop on the bus and take a six-hour drive to Ontario and play the Rain, which is the uh, AHL affiliate of the LA Kings, Saturday at 6 p.m. So it's... Uh, a tough turnaround, uh, you know, Friday into Saturday. I love AHL hockey because it's kind of got, it's got, in this case, Ontario, small town kind of feel, but they're right next to the big Los Angeles, San Jose. Not a small town feel. They're playing in a major league arena. Um, that's got to be kind of cool. It's kind of a difference for you to come home to play at San Jose. And then you go to Ontario and you're like, eh, not quite the expectations or not quite the accommodations. Well, you know what? Uh, they have a beautiful arena in Ontario. And uh, when Ontario, uh, the last several years, they played in the ECHL, which is uh, considered double-A hockey, uh, they always had probably uh, what, one of the highest attendance per game uh, in the ECHL. So uh, the Inland Empire, they, they love their hockey. They've got a terrific uh, a newer arena. So... Uh, I've never been to uh, the Citizens Bank Arena in Ontario. Uh, I'm not saying I'm looking forward to the six-hour bus drive Friday night, but uh, I am looking forward to checking out the arena Saturday uh, in Ontario. So what's that like? You finish your game up tonight, and there's still tickets available that people can go see the game. Um, they can go to sjbarracuda.com. The tickets are wildly affordable. Game ends at 10 o'clock. You climb onto a bus and go six hours. That means you're going to be pulling in like at 5 a.m., you got it. It's uh, we got a little uh, meal planned after the game, and then literally, uh, you know, eat up and uh, hop on that bus. And you know, you know, I, I've been doing this for almost 12 years, and uh, I have still yet to find a way to fall asleep on the bus. So you'll have uh, guys, you know, sleeping along the floor on the bus. You know, everyone's kind of got their own little way they try to get comfortable on a bus, but. Uh, Six hours after a game, um, it, it, it can take a toll on your body. Um, you know, I'm not playing, but uh, I feel a little sore after the trip. And, you know, I can only imagine, you know, you know, the players who, uh, you know, kind of get beat up during the game and then, you know, they're on the bus for, you know, that length of time and then have to, you know, roll out of the bus, take a quick nap in Ontario, love a team meal again, and then get right back on the ice and try to beat up on the rain. Now, part of me, <clears throat> I just recently watched Slapshot the movie again, <clears throat> part of me wants to live in the world that the hockey players are probably having a party on the bus, drinking a case of beer each, um, <laughs> just eating candy bars, just playing video games. Is it more professional than that, or is it the party that is AHL hockey that's in my head? You know what? I wish the uh, bus drives were like uh, what we see in Slapshot. Um, I do, but you know it, it's changed a lot, even over the last you know six or seven years, uh, Rob. Uh, you know the bus drives in the American Hockey League, 
you know, there'd be a day where, uh, you know, seven, eight years ago, you'd have a bunch of players in the back of the bus, you know, they're playing cards, you know, some of the per diem might be tossed around a little bit. Uh, you know, there's probably a movie on, on the screen, but nowadays with, you know, technology, um, you know, the, the bus is generally pretty quiet. You know, most of the guys are on their phones or, or their tablets. Uh, they get their headphones on, listen to music. So it's, uh, it, it's a lot more, I guess, individual uh, now as opposed to, uh, you know, a hoot and a holler in the back of the bus. So it's, uh, it, it's changed a lot over the years. Sounds good. Um, back to serious Hockey Talks, San Jose Barracuda. You are the voice of the Barracuda. They can be heard here at 12.20 a.m. for each of the games. You play a game tonight. You get on the road tomorrow, but um, tickets still available for tonight. Uh, let's talk about the Sharks and the problems that they've had that are kind of impacting the team that you broadcast for, the Barracuda. Um, Logan Couture and, and Martin. Uh, Logan Couture, prolific scorer. Martin, def- solid defenseman. Both go down with injuries, or I'm not sure Martin has an injury, but something's nagging him. Um, but that affects your team. Some of your best players get called up. Um, what's that like, like in the you NHL? Know, that's the nature of the American Hockey League. It's, uh, you know, on Wednesday night, the Barracuda play against San Diego. We fall 3-2 in the shootout. And, you know, literally right after the game, the San Jose Sharks uh, – uh, you know, the team personnel go down to the locker room and say, Brian Lurg, who's our captain, uh, you're getting called up and you're going to play against the Kings tomorrow. We need you. So uh, it's uh, on any given day, uh, uh, the lineup for the Barracuda or really any American Hockey League team uh, changes. Uh, and it all depends on what's going on with the big club and for the Barracuda, the case of the San Jose Sharks. So uh, I counted last night uh, for the San Jose Sharks game, there were 12 players on the ice that uh, had spent time with the Sharks AHL affiliate over the last, uh, you know, few years. So uh, it, it literally really is, you know, you catch a game with, with a Barracuda. The very next night you could see those same players play for the Sharks, and that's what makes the, you know, the experience so unique and a great opportunity for fans to really catch the next wave of San Jose Sharks players. So the game tonight, 7 o'clock. Uh, you're going to be broadcasting live on AM 1220 KDOW. Any last thoughts as we close up the segment? I think, you know, we're going to have a physical game tonight. There hasn't been a lot of that early on in the season, but there are a couple of questionable hits on Wednesday. And when you play the same team, uh, uh, you know, back-to-back situations, that second game can tend to perhaps get a little nasty. So I would expect uh, more of a keep-your-head-up hockey tonight against the San Diego Gulls. And, uh, you know, let's hope the Barracuda can pick up their first home win at the SAP Center. I'm expecting a, a fun game. Thanks for joining me. It's Eric Lindquist, voice of the San Jose Barracuda. You can find more about the game tonight and the season at sjbarracuda.com. That's sjbarracuda.com. KDOW. 
Joining me now, Betsy Isaacson from Newsweek. How are you, Betsy? I'm doing well, thanks. Great. Um, I got a pitch for one of your stories this week that I think is fascinating. And I think there's an investment angle as well as a social angle as well as a it's just good storytelling. The future of farming. Um, what did this topic into your head to start writing about? Oh, gosh. Um, honestly, it was the super glamorous pie in the sky stuff like vertical farming and aeroponics and pink houses. It's the stuff that I discussed some in my article. Um, but it's really, I mean, it's really not the entire story, but it was, you know, pretty looking and cool sounding. And so I started looking up more of, okay, why would we ever need skyscrapers full of fruit? And that's how I started writing this farming story. And just to start, your article goes into a little bit of math. Seven billion people right now on the planet, 9.6 billion by the year 25. That's a massive increase. And you keep hearing statistics about how California provides so much of the food for the you know, United States, but also for China. And you're like, how are we going to accommodate this many people? It's a great question that you start off with. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're probably going to have to uh, up our food production by 70% by 2050. Um, some people say even more. Some people say we have, we're going to have to double it to get everyone sort of not just fed but out of malnutrition. Um, and we're already using 40% of the Earth's ice-free surface in farming, and that's a lot of surface. And we uh, and a lot of the rest of it is, you know, deserts or mountains or places that make no sense to farm. And a lot of the place that does that is left and does make sense to farm is stuff like the Amazon rainforest, which we may not want to chop down for, you know, reasons. We definitely need the rainforest to keep the oxygen flowing. Um, so what what are some of the solutions that you're looking at or what have we done historically to start addressing the issue and where do we go? Um, so the first thing I look at is greenhouses. Right now, about half of Europe's fresh produce is produced by um, a load of greenhouses in a desert in southern Spain, the driest place in Europe. Um, they started putting greenhouses up there in the 1960s, growing produce there, uh, brought in a lot of money to this desert, which was previously really impoverished. They reinvested the money. They built more greenhouses. And now they're making billions of dollars off of providing Europe's fresh fruit. It turns out growing produce, fruits and vegetables in greenhouses is way more efficient than growing it on open fields. Um, you don't have to worry as much about pests, about insects, about uh, weeds, about inclement weather, although you still have to worry about that a little bit. You... Um, you can grow produce that's much prettier, that's more likely to sell in supermarkets. Right now, we get rid of a lot of our produce because it's really ugly, um, especially when it's grown in open fields. So um, greenhouses just have better profit margins as well as, as well as better efficiency. And then we can, you know, people talk about stuff like vertical farms where you're basically stacking greenhouses atop each other in sort of a skyscraper full of fruit or vegetables. Um, but also we can do stuff, you know, not just looking at produce, we can do stuff like grow more efficient staples. Right now we grow mostly uh, rice, wheat, and corn, which are 
good staples and we like them and they're delicious and they provide an enormous number of calories for us. Um, but in fact, there are staples that are more efficient. We can grow more potatoes. We can grow more sweet potatoes. Um, and then something that I realized only partly through researching this article, um, but it ended up in there, we can find a way to either reduce our meat consumption or produce lab-grown meat because um, a huge amount of cropland is used to, to uh, grow feed for animals and a huge amount of arable land is used to feed animals. And um, if we could just take that out of the equation, it would free up an enormous amount of land. And there's already people working on making lab-grown meat. There's a guy in the Netherlands, there's a guy in Israel, and it sort of seems far off and kind of icky, but it's not that far off. And maybe it's not ickier than chopping up a cow for me? I don't know, man. I'm with you on that. Um, it's fun. It's interesting because I tell friends who have, like, a three-year-old kid, I'm like, there's a chance your kid never gets a driver's license. And that's, like, 12, 13 years away. But I think the mm-hmm. conversation could go even further. There's a chance that I'm not just going to say their kids, but maybe the grandchildren don't ever eat, you know, cow. Um, it's not good for our planet. It takes up an enormous amount of water, enormous amount of land. It takes up, uh, you know, space. Obviously, that's worth a lot of value. But uh, the gases being produced are, are destroying the planet. So I don't think it's I don't think it's kind of that far out, as you say. And I and as I I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. It's not going to be soil and green, but we're going to be eating more processed. Uh, healthier processed uh, foods in the future. Yeah, there's a guy in the Netherlands, uh, Professor Mark Post, who's been making uh, artificial, I guess, ground beef. And uh, it used to be like $300,000 per patty. He's now gotten it down to $11 per patty, which is not quite commercial. But, you know, $11 is a lot better than $300,000. I'm with you. Anything else that we need to know about what the is inside the article, or should we just go grab it at Newsweek.com and, and start going through it? Uh, you should go grab it at Newsweek.com, or Newsweek is now back in print, so you can go grab it in the print edition. The old print um, edition. Yeah. I think the uh, the one other thing I would mention is, you know, we can get a lot of a lot of efficiency just from exporting, you know, modern, even pre-modern, crop growing techniques to a lot of the rest of the world. I mean, a lot of the rest of the world is living off of subsistence farming and, you know, they don't even have stuff like crop rotation. Crop rotation is just planting different plants, um, alternating different, alternating planting different plants in the same field so that the field never gets depleted of nitrogen and you don't have to leave it fallow. And you're looking at that and going, this is dead simple. And yet, you know, a lot of people don't know about this, and there's no way they would know about this, except, you know, that information just needs to be communicated. It's interesting because you're starting to see a lot of what you're talking about implemented. Like, there's farms in Detroit, but even here in the Bay Area, when I drive by Facebook now, they've got kind of a, a park on top of the building. It's it's yeah, pretty darn more cool. Yeah, farming. Yeah. Um, so it's it's kind of an alternative, and... You know, some people will go like, ah, oh, put solar panels on the roof. That's better. Absolutely not a bad idea. But using the space that's out there, I think, and incorporate it into culture, I think it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I hope we get more farming in the cities you know, for obvious efficiency reasons. And also because, like, 
yes, it is good to see your food grow. It is kind of cool looking. It also will teach you a lot. That's awesome. Also, it's, you know, super fresh and delicious. And that's great, too. Thanks very much. Anything else that you want to close in on? Uh, nope. Uh, pick up the article. I have newsweek.com or the print edition. It's kind of long, but it's pretty good. I think you do good work. Thanks very much. It's Betsy Isaacson. The article is called To Feed Humankind. We Need the Farms of the Future Today. It brings up a lot of good points. And as an investor, just looking at demographics, you can make a ton of money if you think the correct way. We need, obviously, water. And there's ETFs, exchange-traded funds tied towards water. There's exchange-traded funds tied towards, uh, you know, biotech companies. And some of these biotech companies are trying to solve the, the food problem. Uh, the simple mathematics, and you just do the number. There's 7 billion people on the planet right now. To sustain them all, we're using over 40% of the planet's total land mass for cornfields and almond orchards and cattle ranches and orange groves by the year 2050, which isn't that long away. You know, I'll still hopefully be walking the planet in 2050. Uh, 9.6 billion people. That's a lot more people. A lot more people. 30, 40% more growth on a regular basis. Um, the demographics say that uh, you can't grow you can't grow on mountains. You can't grow in deserts. And, you know, the trends are that we're turning the planet into a bigger desert on a regular basis. So this is a pretty good article. And she does a really nice job of going back into the 1960s and early 70s and uh, studying, you know, the de- production of farmland and how it's changed. And skyscrapers of, of fruit, uh, greenhouses, makes sense to me. Makes a lot more sense to me than throwing it down on a field. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You're also talking bug-free because it's a skyscraper, i.e. no pesticides. Sounds really good to me. So you get the idea. Article is uh, Betsy Isaacson at Newsweek. You can go to newsweek.com. You can pick up the print edition. Um, and again, Betsy Isaacson, I always appreciate her coming on the show. She's got a tangible energy to her. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more better than expected earnings from Alphabet. I hate that. Can't Google just be called Google? Second great quarter in a row. They've got a new CFO who's really about showing uh, the company, opening the kimono, so to speak. Uh, Amazon.com, Microsoft, all great numbers. And then you just get the, the Christmas present that keeps on giving. You get the European Union yesterday basically saying we're going to be doing some stimulus Expect it by the end of the year. And uh, you got China overnight lowering the lending rate by 25 basis points, uh, thus adding more. And, and this is the problem with China. They've got a real estate problem that's going to crash. It's a matter of, of when, not if. And they're making it worse by lowering rates. But they're hoping to kick the can down the road just enough so that the world can pick up uh, pieces and the problems maybe for them. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Strongest hurricane in history is nearing Mexico landfall this weekend. That's a crazy headline. Strongest hurricane ever. Um, Puerto Vallarta is going to get hit hard. Category 5 hurricane when it hits land. Not It's not going to go down. It's going to continue that intensity. The pressure, which I don't understand, central pressure has fallen by 114 millibars from 994 to 880. There's some things I don't know. And as an expert at money and getting you to retirement, you have to learn to admit when you don't know stuff. That's one that I don't know. There's something called a Dvorak scale that peaked at 8.3 on this hurricane when the scale only goes to 8. It broke the scale. I don't know what a Dvorak scale is, but I'll tell you what. might be a good time to buy real estate in Puerto Verita next week. It's when things get knocked down, people are like, screw this, I'm moving. Best time to buy Bay Area real estate in the last 30 years was 1989, day after the earthquake. That's when appraisals went down aggressively and they didn't get back up to where they were the day before the earthquake for seven years. Oakland Hill fires, great time to buy a house. If you can buy the house right next to the one that's on fire, you're going to get literally a fire sale. Let's talk to Gordon Hines a little bit about this. What's the concept on buying in crisis? Like the best time to buy in, in the last 10 years was when people well, were getting foreclosed. Same thing in the stock market. The best time to buy was after the depression. You know, you, the, the massive people, the thought process of the human being is everybody wants to buy when things are going up. But actually, the profiters, the rich people, the people that the, are innovators, they buy things when things are going down. When there's a crisis, is an opportunity. I'd agree with that statement. And I don't, I don't begrudge people on that because you're taking risk. Yeah, there, there's an opportunity. There's a reward for the risk takers, and not not all of us are risk takers. That's why people put money in the bank rather than in different investments. Would you ever buy in Mexico? No, too far away, foreign I, country. I know people that do. Like Costa Rica gets hot, they buy. Yeah. Panama gets hot, they buy. Belize. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. What if their government says they don't like Americans next year? Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Um, cash out refis. How popular is this at this point in time? I know that in the mortgage lending world, there's always different products being pushed as well as appreciated. Uh, cash out refis. Well, we've been focusing on. We've, we've been taking applications that came in two, three years ago. People that bought FHA loans 3% down. And we're finding most of those properties now have appreciated where, one, they can either get rid of the MI, get an 80% loan, or get cash out. And the payment is the same. So that's another opportunity. What depreciation does, it cures a lot of ineptness that we had going in. So um, we're seeing that the applications for cash out refis are up because of appreciation. Houses are selling for more money, so therefore your house is worth more money. So now the great opportunity to take advantage of the marketplace. And if you can get cash out and your home, your, your home cost stays the same, it's a benefit. Tell me if I'm crazy, because uh, you seem to have a straight shooting style to you, Gordon, Gordon Hines, classic home loans .com. Um My home goes from $950,000 in value to one point five. Why not cash out 300000 and go buy a home in Tahoe and put renters in it? It allows me to sell my appreciation here. Book it. Can't take that away from me. Buy another property for cash. Well, just, uh, if you don't mind, Rob, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, what a lot of people have done is uh, over the last several years, if they could refi or they bought, they've got a low interest rate. Um, and rates have come up a little bit. So they're holding on that lower interest rate. So there's a dilemma of whether or not they want to get out of that low interest rate. That's probably the, the, the biggest dilemma I have from people who ask me about how they want to take money out of their house. And they, they always lean towards an equity line instead of 
of touching that first loan. When in, in actuality, you're, you, you're getting an equity line when rates are low, and there's only one way that way is going to go up. So even if your interest rate goes up higher on the total loan, you are hedging against future appreciate or future rate hikes. So that's, it's 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 a very it's is a short kind of vision of of um, you know of a solution, but it doesn't satisfy you in the long run, unfortunately. And and that's what happened back in 2006. A lot of people were getting equity lines instead of fixing in their loans. I don't think my question's being answered though. My question is. Well, I could use a refi or a home equity line of credit, as a, not home equity line of credit, just a, a refi to sell some of my gains. No, I, I understand that. Okay. And in 20 so then, years so now, then you end up with an equity line that right. that may or may not fall. It's, now, you can get it as owner-occupied, and yeah, you can do a refi and get owner-occupied rates and so on and, and, and possibly work out some, some creative ways with your accountant to pay taxes. I'm and, trying to do more loans with you. No, I understand. I'm, don't talk me out of this. I'm, I'm not trying to talk you out. I'm trying to tell you that there are ways to do that, and, and it can be a smart way to do it because you get owner-occupied rates. You can you can get some certain write-offs based on what your CPA can allow you to do, and you can turn a, a cash flow on the property faster that way instead of getting a loan. However, rates are still super low. Why would you put all of the money down on a on a rental property when you can use rents to offset the debt? Put the put the money down so that you get a comfortable cash flow on the property, and then and then okay, fine, fine, fine. I'll, I'll say that have a nice, comfortable down payment on a second property or a third property or a fourth property? I look at debt service. I tell people all the time, what's good for me is not good for you. Um, one of the things, if, if I use your specific example, I would tell a client, what I would suggest is maximizing your current fixed rate loan and getting the difference in the equity line. I think it's a much more cost-effective strategy. You're still going to get the cash, but in the long run, it's an easier loan to debt service because those equity lines do have cash calls in 10 years, 15 years, and those payments skyrocket. Okay, I'm with you. For the record, what works for you? You're wearing a purple shirt, which is marvelous. That would not work on me. I don't have the skin tone, pasty white guy. Uh, who... I'm a Prince fan. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. He wears some cool sunglasses. Thank you. So, Anyway, um, any last thoughts? we got about 30 seconds. Now the opportunity out there, get off the fence. Rates are low. If you haven't refinanced, look into it. Tony, thoughts? Uh, exactly what Gordon said, you know, but d- definitely run your numbers and see if it makes sense. These are both good guys in real estate. They're both tied towards the mortgage side of the product. Um, Gordon Hines, you're a broker, right? I'm a broker. Okay. And I'm in this thing for the long haul. Been in it for 20 years and had to hope to do another 20 years. So I give sound advice for repeat customers. ClassicHomeLoans.com. It's ClassicHomeLoans.com. You can find Tony, who's a lender, not a broker, but these guys work very close together at times. Good guys. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at RobBlack.com. It's RobBlack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.